I made a salad. Then I ate it. Is that code for something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just proud of myself. You know, I, I, you know, I cut up some romaine lettuce, and I, mm-hmm. I, won't, I won't describe my whole salad. I'm not a monster. But what it was, was really, it, you have to at least uh, say what was your what was the dressing situation? Okay, I'm gonna tell you about my whole goddamn salad. So strap in. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna take a nap, and uh, I ended up getting a lot done today, which is good. I did not have time for a nap. Boo! But I thought I will utilize this time, and instead of getting crappy takeout slash delivery food, I'm gonna make me a salad because I knew we had some romaine with a sell by date of tomorrow, which, as we all know, is meaningless. But still, it's food. Cut up some romaine, had some leftover bacon from a bacon project, and uh, I had I, I I love blue cheese, so I got some blue cheese crumbles. I cut up some little heirloom miniature tomatoes. I cut up a tiny bit of green onion, and what I do is like there's this thing that I invented that's changed a lot of lives, which is telling people how to mix a salad, like a takeout salad, how to do the shuka shuka shuka. This one I did in situ, all in bowl. It's an in bowl activity. You tossed your own salad is what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I forked it. <laughs> I did a pull. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, but what I do is, like, if I'm making it at home, in this case, I'm making it in situ in the bowl. And so mm-hmm. I, I do layers. I put a little layer of, like, a parfait, but with objectionable adult food, you know? And so I layer it, and so I'll put some lettuce, I'll do a little bit of crumble, put a little bit, I heat up the bacon into bits, and I, I do that. And um, I crumbled up blue cheese, and then I had some of Ken's Steakhouse uh, blue cheese dressing. Now, you don't need a lot. Some people like you, swimming. You blue cheese dressing and blue cheese crumbles, because one of those is not enough. Well, I think there's something to be said for dressing a salad with something wet. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think a dry salad is, is just a little slice of pain. And uh, in this case, oh, also, also, I cut up some uh, some uh, uh, cured Italian meats from. Uh, <laughs> this is definitely one of those salads that's like you know, uh, garden salad, fifteen hundred calories. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny. I used to I play one place I used to work at. The ladies would when they would usually bring their lunch because it's the South and mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a real, real, real Southern bunch at this place. And uh, they thought everything you said was literal. So, so you know, you say something like, oh, my gosh, I forgot to close the FileMaker database Merlin made, uh, that I made. Uh, I'm on crack. And they say, you're on crack? I say, no, I'm not actually on crack, Maureen. It's, uh, it's a way of saying that I was, and maybe that was, you know, ableist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, but anyway, when the ladies did, like maybe on Fridays, they splurge. They go to Wendy's because they want the healthy option to go and to get a salad. And would to a to a lady, they would <laughs> they would each drown it in like two at least two of those tubs of mm-hmm. usually I think ranch dressing if memory mm-hmm. serves. And that's you know, John, there's a lot of oil in that, which is not bad. You got to remember, this is the '90s. This is the, this is the uh, Snackwells era. You know, so you know they they were working across purposes with a lot of what medicine was telling them, but they enjoyed their salad and and they knew better than to leave the database open. You know. Yeah, Boy, it was a bad database. I wish I had screen grabs to show you because it would that would be a whole season of this show. It's just you seeing the way I made what I believe was in 1997 or eight called a semi-relational database in FileMaker Pro. Um, so that's salads and databases. Uh, when when you had a jobby job with regular people, did did people go to lunch? 
Do they bring their lunch? Uh, done lots of different ways. Um, we've had, I've been in a, a company culture where everyone would go to like a, a cafeteria in the building. Mm-hmm. So if they brought their lunch, they would go down there to eat it. But if they didn't, there was like a place where you could buy food right in the building because it was kind of like an office building with a shared cafeteria. Right, right. I've done the thing where everybody brings a lunch and you go to a lunchroom to eat it. I've done the thing where people all go out to eat. Uh, I've done the thing where it's like 50-50 where some people go out to eat and some people bring their lunch and eat it in, in the, like the break room type thing. I've, yep, I feel like yep. I've had all possible varieties. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a preference for one. I've also done the one where people do order in to the office you know you know that oh, that's one? cool yeah, yeah yeah sure get sandwiches or something yeah right or you know or the thing where one person is the designated go get the food for the everybody in the office and takes everybody's order and goes and gets it you know yeah and all the yeah. things okay yeah yeah my my first major adult weight gain of any consequence was when i had my dot-com job and uh as a service to to the cold fusion crew they uh richard would order in and we get subs at like nine or ten at night so mm-hmm. we were basically like sumo wrestlers Except yeah. not as athletic. Yeah, that was one of my favorite eras of lunch eating as well. Also not particularly healthy was the, uh, someone would go out and get the order for everybody in the office and it was from a place that had subs. And yeah, just, you know, if you have like a, a chicken parm sub every day, that's like the size <laughs> of your head, it adds up. It it does. And uh, and it, 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 does, it makes me a little logy. I used to eat a lot more bread. And, and I, I'm trying, I tried, oh, also I had croutons. I had some, uh, I had some croutons in my salad. I can send you, it's not really a, a recipe so much as a method, but I'd be happy to share. My wife had a bite and she thought it was quite toothsome. So that's what I ate for dinner tonight. Um, I think they're going to watch the last Breaking Bad without me, but I've allowed it. Because uh-huh. I've already seen it. But anyway, uh, everybody's here. Uh, we're all in our correct places. And uh, you're back listening to Reconcilable Differences with your host, John Syracusa. And uh, we're going to talk to you. We're going to uh, share some ideas from the world. I don't want to get, as you say, over my skis, but I think we have some very good follow-up and we've got some topics. John, how are things going in your neck of the woods? How's your new year? What do you think, uh, when you say, (laughs) I don't want to get over my skis, which is one of your expressions, what Mm -hmm. do you think that means? Like, what what does it mean to you when you say it? Well, I think, uh, I don't know how I picked it up, but, but it's a phrase that I picked up and that's, when um, a simple way of saying you're getting ahead of yourself, mm-hmm. that you are, you're, you know, your reach exceeds your grasp. It, it could, in some power structures, mean that you are evidencing independence or lack of deference to authority. I think of it as like, you know, does that, does that, that give you the, right, right. the gist? Okay, so I, I, I don't know. Mean- I don't know about ski. I don't know from skis. That's what I, I said. Like, do you do you have in your mind any kind of connection with the, like any kind of literal interpretation of the phrase? As in, you know, in, in skiing, when you get quote get over your skis, I, I think I do. Happens. I skied almost twice, mm-hmm. and I was on the Donald Duck Hill, and I learned how to grab the the line you, mm-hmm. with your right hand. You grab up here, and then with your left hand, you grab behind you, and it pulls you up the Donald Duck Hill, and then you make a pizza slice to stop. Mm-hmm. I think getting over your skis probably means. I bet it could be in downhill skiing where you, uh, is it posture related? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm very familiar with skiing and that's why I've been struggling to figure out when people say get over your skis, what do they think it means? But you don't have a connection to skiing. You're just, it's a, well, I, I did. I, man, I'm from Ohio. I've skied a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. practically, I'm like, uh, 
freaking Hans Brinker over here. Like that's that's how we get around. Because, uh, the the only <laughs> you know I'm not familiar with that phrase, so I don't know what people really? mean okay. by it. But I I know what you mean by it, obviously from context and from your explanation. But uh, in in the context of skiing, the main mistake that people make when skiing is not getting over their skis. Like what they, they, they turns like, out. Yeah, because like so when if you picture a skier on a hill and the hill's on an angle, right? It's yeah. people's inclination to even though their skis are on an angle, they want to stand upright with respect to gravity, mm. right? And if you do that, you'll see oh. that you you'll feel what you'll feel is the back of your calf pressing against the the ski boot, right? Because uh-huh. you're trying to stand upright, and that's not what you want to do. What you okay. want to do is feel the front of the ski boot pressing against your shin, which to do that, you've got to bend your knees and you've also got to lean forward a little bit if this, okay. you know, depending, on, depending on how steep the hill is. So what you want to do is you want to make sure your weight is actually over your skis and not back on the, the tail end of your skis. You want to feel like, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm leaning forward. I feel like I'm leaning over my skis because the steeper the hill gets, the more you're going to feel like you're leaning forward with respect to gravity because you want to maintain... Right that pressure against the front of your ski boots. And it makes you go faster when you lean forward, right? No, what you want to do, mm. you basically just want to have your weight centered. But what you want to do when you carve the turn is you want to be pressing your weight Ooh. against the the edge of the ski. And if you're leaning Ooh. back, the only part of your ski that has, the part of your ski that has the most weight on it is the very tail end, which is shorter. And that's not the carving okay. part. You want <sighs> to carve I with the entire I love it when you talk range. like this. You're like, uh, what's that? You're like a Tony Hawk or something. You're talking about carving. You car- yeah. Are you carving? Did you talk like that? Did you wear like goggles and talk about carving six slaloms and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I was a big skier back in the day. We talked about it when we had Roderick on. I know, yeah. I know, but I've never seen any photos and I would enjoy that. I'm on, I could send you some, I'm some on, I would uh, love that. Photos. I love any of your media. I'm in, I'm on. That's with, kind of a shame. Like all my yeah. skiing time happened back when it was like film cameras only. So I don't really have like no, no movies, no cell phone pictures, just like one or two snapped photos and it's not great. According to uh, wiktionary.org, um, over one skis is idiomatic and it means acting or speaking prematurely getting, oh, see, now that's a typo. That doesn't help. Getting, get ahead of oneself. Yeah. Getting ahead of yourself is, is what, basically what I thought it meant. I just wondered what the connection was to skiing or if there was. What do you, you say? Know. Well, you wouldn't say something like that because you're always right. Uh, and your timing is exquisite. What, what would you say? Do you think? I mean, getting ahead of yourself is that you just named a bunch of the similar ahead of phrases that I'm familiar with. Well, I'm not right? talking about me. I'm talking about you. Uh, you're a skier what I, would I have you to say have a context in which i was saying something like this like i don't want to get ahead of myself i don't want to overextend myself um mm-hmm. something like that maybe yeah i'm not ready to carve the slalom this episode of reconcilable differences is brought to you in part by zocdoc you can learn more about zocdoc right now by visiting zocdoc.com slash differences. It sucks when you go to a doctor's appointment expecting to be the center of attention and then your doctor seems like they have better things to do and better places to be. Ho ho, sing it sister. Instead of listening to you intently, asking you how you feel and helping you along, the doctor is checking the clock. Well, on ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, who take your insurance, who are available when you need them, and who treat almost every condition under the sun. So, uh, you know, when you're not feeling your best and you're just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy, and that's where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. 
book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. So uh, you want to learn more? You go to ZocDoc.com slash differences. That's D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E-S. Uh, you can download the ZocDoc app for free and then you find him and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash differences. Yeah, you go there and check it out. Our thanks to ZocDoc for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I would love to workshop that if you if you have any others that you think we could work on. Um but I do feel like the follow-up might be pretty good. Um, and the best way to deal with that is to deal with it now. Follow-up. What, what, so smooth. What? Smooth. Sick. These slalos are sick, man. Yeah. All right. Um, so I did this for you because I know you, you, you crave. What you crave mm-hmm. is an audio file on a Dropbox folder. So what do I have for you today? I have audio files and Dropbox folders. John, Last, thank you. It must be Christmas or after yeah. Christmas. Okay. Last episode, we had a bunch of audio clips uh, from my childhood uh, audio tapes that were shoved into the program. Uh, the title of the last episode was based on uh, a gift that my sister received. We discussed in the program that she got Baby Alive, which was a disgusting 70s baby toy that peed, yum, peed yum, and pooped. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, and she was super excited to get it. And what I had said on the program was she was more excited to get that Baby Alive than I was to get my X-Wing fighter toy in 1978, because this was Christmas 1978. But what I failed to include in last uh, episode was the audio clips of her excitement at getting Baby Alive and me getting my X-Wing fighter. So if you would like to play them now, you can play the Baby Alive clip and hear how amazingly excited my sister was to get Baby Alive. And then you can play the X-Wing clip and hear how excited I was to get an X-Wing. I mean, that really, the last Mm. episode was called Baby Alive. That clip should have been in the episode. And that, that horrible crinkling sound you hear, that's wrapping paper crinkling. Yeah, yeah, I figured, yeah. Oh, uh, that's that's a nice feeling. I can feel her excitement in that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you yell out the name of the thing that you just opened, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were just in a more desultory sort of like mm, socks, you know. All right, and now now listen to me getting my X wing, which I was excited to get. If you if you remember when I talked about what I wanted for Christmas in an earlier tape, where I said what my mom was asking what I wanted for Christmas, I said X wing fighter. So here I am getting the X wing fighter. I got an X wing fighter. I got an X wing fighter. I'm pretty happy about it, but it's no baby alive. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, comparison is the death of joy. Sure. I mean, this, these were the moments of each other. Remember, you pressed the R2 D2 and the wings would pop up? It was. Yeah, no, I, I think <sighs> I got way more mileage out of this X wing fighter, too. I played with it for years and years. It was way better than baby alive. She lost interest in baby alive pretty quickly. Did it? I feel like it made a sound. And I feel like the sound changed. I don't think it was an accelerometer, but wasn't there something where it made a different sound, whether it was nose up or nose down? I don't remember any sound related oh, to it. I'm that, a, first, that could have been because the batteries quickly died uh, or the batteries were never in it. It's hard for me to know. I was, you know, very young in 1978, as as you can hear. Mm-hmm. But you could put Luke right in there. You could, you could, you couldn't bend his legs, but you know, at the hip, you could mm-hmm. just you could slide him in there, real gentle, like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Red Five standing by, he says. So there you go. I just, I just wanted to have that in there because I, I just really needed that baby alive. Oh, thank you. And also uh, in passing, thank you. Well, thank you as ever to Jim mm-hmm. for making some sense out of what we do here. But uh, 
Uh, Jim is great to work with. I don't know if I don't know if he is accepting new work right now, but if you need somebody to edit something, boy, Jim is great to work with. So thank you, Jim. Yeah, he cleaned up the clips because they were really just really terrible sounding, and I don't have the software or expertise to be able to clean them up. And he made them uh, much more presentable. Yep, great job, baby, alive. Mm-hmm. Um, ne- John, now now we get to the big stuff. Now we get to the serious stuff. This is this has become an ongoing rift in international relations. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not at the epicenter because that's where earthquakes happen. We're mm-hmm. at the center. We're at the center of an international dust-up about facial expressions. And boy, have we got some new input. Yeah. So we've been talking about the uh, the the frown and what it means to people in the United States and what it means to people in the UK and potentially elsewhere. Uh, and as we've discussed in past episodes, the, the, the story was that the folks from the UK think the frown has nothing to do with the mouth. Uniformly, every single one of them on the entire godforsaken island thinks a frown is something that happens with your eyebrows uh, done and dusted. Like that was every every single person. That no serious adult human would ever make the thing that Americans think of as a frown (sighs) as in turning their mouth into an upside down shape because that is a ridiculous thing that only a literal clown would ever do. Can I ask ask, please that that a country, an island, a series of countries... That's that's run by a monarch. Can I get notes? Not 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 get notes from you on what it means to be an adult, please. Yeah. You know, right, I, I don't so, want to be a jerk about it. But uh, and then the other part. So the other part was there was the frown part of like people in the UK think a frown is something you do with what Americans, I guess, erroneously would call furrowing your brow. And then we also did, if memory serves, say, hey, if anybody out there, probably Germans, because Germans love podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, uh, V Gates. Um, the, the, could you tell us if you're from another country and you listen to the program, could you tell us how it, 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 are, do adults in your land uh, mm-hmm. do anything? How do you deal with the frown issue? Yeah. What do you think a frown is? So yeah. uh, the, a bunch of these are from, uh, uh, things in German. I cannot pronounce or read German at all. So I'm going to need your help with the German words here. And we're going to, we're going to, what we're going to do here. Are you ready for this, Marlon? We didn't prepare this ahead of time. So I'm just springing this on you like okay. I like to do. I'm going to read the, the 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 feedback here and I'm and I'm going to stop when we hit a German word or phrase and you're going to read the German word or phrase. Okay. And then I'm going to continue reading the stuff after. We can, we can do that. Yeah. Right, well, we'll see if we can do it. Uh, we'll, here we'll we do go. It, don't worry. Yeah. Skype timing, uh Jim will fix it in the edit. Uh, uh and in fact, I can't handle this guy's last name either. His name is Max Kreinenbaum. Thank you. Good. Uh he says the German translation of frown is stern 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 Sure. Which literally means forehead wrinkle. Caring Asking Google.de from Germany gives the British definition. So there's one person in one country saying it's not just the UK. In Germany, our word for frown is literally forehead wrinkle. If you translate it, uh, and if you, you know, if you Google in Germany, it gives the British definition talking about the forehead. All right, this next one, I'll do this one because this is Italian. This is uh Ooh. <laughs> I'm excited. Ooh. This is Cane Cittadino, which translates to dog citizen. That is this person's handle. The handle <laughs> the ha- say, say the handle again, because I'm gonna play this. Cane Cittadino. I don't I can't speak Italian. Oh, when I'm alone, I'm gonna play that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot speak Italian. I'm sorry if I mangled that, but I figured it. You know. <laughs> but you think you can because you yeah, exactly. the Merle, Merle's doing the German, I can do this. All right. So, th- but uh, hey, this I, person I had is, half a year of German in seventh grade. Yeah. This person is t- giving information about German things, right? Yeah. Re- he says, ready for the, the German equivalent of frown? Verb number one. Die, die Stirn runzeln. Which means to wrinkle the forehead. Number two. Die Stirn in Falten. Legan, 
Or 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 zian. Sorry. Which means to set, uh-huh. gather folds in the forehead. And as a noun. Das Sternrunzon. Which is a wrinkled forehead. No mouth parts. Whoa. Um, D, sorry, um, one more. Here we go. Oh. Uh, die, um, die, die Mundwerk Züge. Of insects, just to be clear, involved. So no mouth parts involved. This is a person with an Italian handle saying there's a bunch of different ways in, in German to talk about frown, and they all talk about wrinkles or folds in the forehead, nothing to do with the mouth. I'm not sure what the insect What's mouth the part insect is. What's the insect part, John? I think maybe that thing you read by like, D. Munzvers, blah, blah, yeah, yeah. Is, is how you describe the mouth parts of insects in Germany. Maybe they have a different uh, word for oh. insect mouth parts. I am, I am looking right now. I don't normally use the internet while we're recording our program, but this is for my work. And Mundwerkzüge. Oh, oh, oh. Tr- translates to uh, mouth parts or mandibles. There you go, mandibles. The so it's like those crabby little grabbers. The, maybe the, they have no other word for mouth parts. That maybe it's the same word for mouth parts. John, it's German. It's like, you know, I think Lego is Danish, but mm-hmm. it's a Lego language. You just start grabbing stuff and smacking yeah, it you together. Just stick them together. Yes, exactly. Okay. And that's that, that's you know, that's what makes, you know, I18N, John. That's what makes yep. it rough for localization. There you you go. know, you know, you get those if you make a German podcasting app, you're gonna have to have big buttons. Yeah, don't I know it? And we uh, used to Grosse, use German as one the, of the, the test languages in localization because that's right. It's called Grosse, Grosse Yep. All right, uh, now mm-hmm. here's from uh, Johnny Elkund. Uh, he says, in Sweden, freon, or F-R-E-O-N, uh, F-R-E, yeah, F-R-E-O-N, means to wrinkle your forehead, to Google at least, and we are neutral, so I believe Americans have twisted this word. I think he's mm-hmm. thinking of Switzerland. Yeah, I don't know, Sweden, Switzerland, maybe we should ask the dog citizen, sometimes. because the dog citizen is a, is a person, a German-speaking person who's Italian, which makes me think of the Alps. Mm-hmm. And Switzerland is closer to that. I think Sweden, uh, if memory serves, they speak Swedish there. That's it's yeah. also where the the the, the Gothenburg uh, melodic death metal scene is based. Yeah. Uh, this next one is from I M R E. What do you think? Is that a name? Imre. Imre. Sure. Yeah. A frown is translated in Dutch to Franz, F-R-O-N-S. The mouth is in no way involved in this process. Honestly, what? I have trouble imagining anybody but a clown what? engaging their mouth while frowning. Do people what? really do this off stage? I, I, John, this this needs to go on the list. Like, I, I am I am I just not aware? I mean, am I am I gaslighting myself? Do I think there's no mouth involved in frown except for babies and insects? What's happening? There was a, a letterbox D uh, post today. This is the problem. I don't remember if it was on Mastodon or on Twitter, but it showed uh, uh what's her name, Florence Pugh, uh, the the how you pronounce the actor's name? Yep. Uh, and she was in a, bu- a bunch of different movies and in all of them, she is making a frowny face with her mouth, like an upside down U with her mouth shape. And I thought it was fun. If I can find that for the show notes, I will do it. I could see that. You know, she's, she's also terrific in Little Women. That's a very good movie. You know, Bob Odenkirk is the father in Little Women. Yeah. It's very funny. When, when, uh, uh, you know, Marmy's taking care of everything, holding down the fort, but then, uh, then uh, Better Call Saul shows up and everybody's really happy. It's very weird. Um, that's in, that's in Dutch. Everyone in Dutch is tall, like Tommy Toon. Mm-hmm. Everyone in Italy is a good dancer. <laughs> now in heaven, remind me, in heaven, uh, the- That's where all the dogs go. All dogs, all the mm-hmm. dogs go there. Okay, that would be cane, alles cane. <laughs> and so- <Tute. laughs> 
But like, isn't there a joke about uh, a, a, a makes fun of everyone in Europe in one joke about automobiles? Oh, uh, probably. In Ger- in in heaven. Wait, in heaven, <laughs> the Germans are the engineers. The wait, the 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 Italians are the lovers, and the French are the cooks. In hell, uh, the French uh, make the cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, oh, the Italians run the government, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the Germans are the lovers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know what they say? They, what they say? You know, uh, you know, in uh, at communism, uh, it uh, the the in heaven they don't want it, and in hell they already got it. Mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan. Did you see Triangle of Sadness? I saw that before you oh, even you heard did. of that movie. You gave it like two stars. I told you. <laughs> I told you. you the, <laughs> is that? Did you find it through me? Or did you just find it through everyone else watching it? No, I found, I found it through Dan. Um, and I was very smitten by it, as I am very smitten by White Noise. This is my year of or my two yeah, I, years. I added White Noise to my list after hearing you rave about it. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, and I think I mentioned this to you offline in our super secret private text channel. But now my kid has also discovered your letterboxed. And there are concerns. There, are, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot. Of, you know what it is? It's your. I'm going to make a link to this. Uh, uh, Tippy toe lemon kids tree. These days are used to great inflation. You know what I mean? Oh, is that what it is? Everybody gets a ribbon. Yeah, a little bit of that going on, in- including the movie Predestination, which you gave two and a half stars. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find this for notes. Tippy toe lemon tree. I'm going to find. I'm going to post your two and a half stars page because I think it's something everybody needs to be made aware of. <laughs> You realize that's right smack dab in the middle. That's average. It's average if you don't like movies. No, it's average if you use the whole rating range. Take a look at the uh, the the tweet I just found from Letterboxd. The Florence Pugh. Okay. How do you pronounce her last name? Florence time? Pugh. Yeah, she's in Midsummer. Yeah. She's in. Um, do you see? Do you see the images here? Oh, look at that mouth. <gasps> yeah, she. You know. You know. You know what my aunt would say. She got a puss on. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Look at that punum. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I mean, the, the fourth one oh is Oh my question- gosh, she's really, oh man, the second and third ones are extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, so the fourth one is questionable, and the brow is definitely wrinkled in the second one. I agree. Maybe and the third one as well. And as well, the first one, she's dressed as a flower, and, uh, you know, well, I think she doesn't know everything that's going to happen. I, I just watched The Wonder, which stars her as well. Do is that, that good? One? Should I watch it? It is, uh, it has, as I uh, wrote in one of the slacks, it has a framing device. I, I would suggest is watch the first 30 seconds of The Wonder just to see what they do with the frame. Okay. It's literally the first 30 seconds. It's the, starting from the very first frame of the movie. This movie has a framing device that they choose to do with this movie starting from the first frame. And the movie does not need it, does not pay it off. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like gosh. why did okay. you do this? All right, all right. Well, I'm always looking for for things. It's fascinating, a fascinating decision making process. Like it wasn't woven into the sort of the message or the meaning of the movie enough. Like I see what they tried yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, with. Anyway, absolutely. The, re- the rest of the movie is sort of by the numbers. And there's... if that had happened in the 70s or 80s, you wouldn't care. It's just that years and years of being trained on watching for every detail. You know, I mean, again, like like in like in Breaking Bad, which we've been watching. Um, you know, it's really important that Ted slips on the rug and, uh, would you, uh, would that term be lantern hanging? You hang a lantern yeah, on it? But no, I'm, I'm talking about like a framing device. You'll, you'll see. Like it's literally right, the first frame. When, when stuff like that doesn't pay off, it's can be frustrating. It, it, it's not that it, it like it, I'm not talking about payoff as in like a setup and payoff as in like, I feel like you'd need to have a reason you, like you'd watch this and you say you, I think everyone finishes watching the wonder and says, 
okay, but why did they choose to have that framing device? They try right. to tie it to the message of the movie, but it's such a thin thread. And mm. the, the framing device is so jarring. Like it is not one of the common ones of like an old person remembering their youth. Like we're kind of used to those. It's like, ah, I don't care. Maybe you needed it. Maybe it didn't. Okay. Not a big deal. This is not one of those framing devices. I don't want to spoil it for you, but literally the first frame of the movie, you'd be like, I cannot believe they're doing this. Why are they doing this? And it does not fit with the rest of the movie. And they they call back to it like twice in the run of the movie. I feel like you could just trim the ends off, cut out the scene that calls back to the framing device, and it becomes a very conventional, pretty well acted, fairly depressing but predictable movie about people in Ireland. <laughs> I will watch it. I also want to... I, I put on Banshees of Insurin. I hope they're not in Scotland. Sometimes I get those confused. No, it's it's the Imbruges Imbruge guy. So it's you know it's um, Matt I. Moody and uh, Colin Farrell, and they're in, in Ireland. And it's I was gentle. talking about I was talking about the Wonder. But yes, it's Iron. Sorry. Oh, oh, okay. Did yeah. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Yes. Do you know Lydia's from Scotland? Which one is Lydia? Lydia's the dark-haired woman that works for the German corporation who provides the precursor. Like the, she, she likes stevia. She likes Stevia and was really surprised that they didn't have. <laughs> You're really good, John. Yeah, because they didn't have that. <laughs> Just give me filtered, that, that filtered hot water and a lemon. <laughs> wa- watching Breaking Bad was the first time that I knew a thing called Stevia existed in the world. I thought they had made it up for the program because the name sounds so weird. It's like, a, it's like a high-end fake sugar, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 I Googled it. I remember watching the show. I'm like, did they make up the Stevia thing for the show? I looked it up. I'm like, no, this is a real product that probably most of the world knows. I just didn't. I'm going to predict that you do not like and will not like um, white noise. I mean, I, I read the book in college and I remember not liking the book. But really? I, yeah, but I like it's the people who are It's a certain kind of, the book is a certain kind of, well, I'm saying this like it's a bad thing, a post postmodern sort of book. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, I think re- that's probably why I read it. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me favorably of stuff, again, later, maybe stuff like David Foster Wallace, but like a keen eye for extreme detail but like the the tone i've said enough we each have homework you're gonna watch white noise and hate it i'm gonna watch the framing device movie called the wonder and we're gonna we're gonna talk about florence Pugh. you don't have to watch the whole movie the wonder honestly it, once right. you once, once you get through the framing device and see the premise you will be able to predict with 100 percent certainty where the movie is going and it goes there and it does an I, okay job of going there all right. Yeah, I, 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 I've gotten better. I've gotten more concerned about spoiling things for people. I, I, I don't want to, if it's something I really loved, I would hate the idea of spoiling it. And if I didn't like it, it's not very nice either way. But, you know, it's, uh, I think that if a movie can be spoiled, it might not have been all that great to begin with. It's what I think sometimes. Because it's all about implementation. It took all my favorite movies. I could describe not only what happens in the movie and who's in it, you'd be robbed of the fun of discovering that there's a fun cameo. Sean Connery plays King John or whatever. It's a terrible movie. But, um, but, but, uh, I, I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, a good story is about implementation. And even if I told you what the twist was, I mean, sometimes you can reveal, I'm not saying you should spoil things, but sometimes you can reveal that a movie wasn't that good because it's way too easy to spoil because that's really all there is. There's a, it's like a French drawing room drama. Kind of like a predestination, right? 
<laughs> Seriously, though, I'm not just doing that to needle you. That oh, is one of the oh. reasons the thing got downgraded because I feel now, like do you the know what a bootstrap is, paradox is. Are you familiar with the it, idea? It, it's so much built around that reveal. And if you think that if the, if you shrug at that reveal, oh, you feel like okay, oh, fine, whatever. John, then like John, it's not one reveal. It's reveal after reveal after I know, reveal. But I feel like the implementation was ponderous. Ponderous. Ah. Oh. Oh. <sighs> okay. Um. And finally. Uh, looks like we have something here from a person called, I think no, I'll, I'll do the pronunciation finally. on it. Uh, penultimately. Uh, pen- penultimately, we have input from uh, a person called Mark Stedman. Yeah, he says, I'd like to be next in line <laughs> to wonder why Brits are telling John and Merlin that frowning in UK English has nothing to do with the mouth. All caps. No, no one, one thinks, thinks that, that here. here. No one is hyphenated. So you can tell they're Oh, you can tell part. it's British. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are people saying it? Are they confusing frowning and scowling? To be clear, in the UK, all caps, and everywhere, everywhere that, that speaks, speaks English, English, frown is the emoji frowny face, and scowl is the scowly frowny face. It's not a debate. This, yep. per- this So this here's a person from the UK saying, what is this? I am I am uh, in the UK. I am British. Yes. And nobody thinks this in this whole country. Who is saying this? And, and this then, person yeah, is yeah. immediately corrected. And they, but, but just to be clear here, they broke. I don't know how to pronounce this. You're going to have to do it for me. The, the UK version of Omerta. Like yeah. they broke kayfabe. Kayfabe. There you go. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I love you. I hate that we all know this word now. I, that's a great word. I used to say, I thought it was kayfabe. But, Maybe it but, is. I but, don't but know. They, they broke kayfabe, but then guess what? Somebody comes in to do cleanup. Now Mr. Wolf is going to roll in and fix yeah. everything. Kai and that's says, Ka- I'm Kai. British. And this was my sentiment exactly. Until I idly mentioned it to my British partner, who thought the opposite with equal incredulity. So this country needs to get their stuff together. Yes. Oh, you're telling me? They cannot even agree amongst themselves. They have they have both extremes within the same country. Whereas I can tell you in America, you will not find anybody who has an extreme belief that frowning has nothing to do with the mouth unless they were not born there. Like it is universal. At least we're yeah. all on the same page. Here. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. measure things in feet and pounds mm-hmm. and our temperature is Fahrenheit. And mm-hmm. the only people who don't agree with that are people who are not born here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, I think there's still some residual sort of bad juju. Uh, I hope that's not racist. But, but you know, we did have that whole dust up with them and the stamp tax and whatnot. And I know, but this is like, this is their own thing. They should be like, I, oh, I can oh, understand why oh, we I might know. have diverged from them, know, but to, they to, should. To quote, uh, to, to, to quote uh, Ron Swanson, just, just know that your country is run by an old woman and a little baby. <laughs> I don't think we've established anything approaching um i don't think well, we're I, done with this but I, what I, th- I will I say i think what, what the feedback tells me is that probably uh in the somewhat recent past the entire world was on the same page that frowning didn't have anything to do with the mouth but somehow the mouth definition took root in uh, the united states and the united states through its cultural and literal imperialism has sort of made that new definition of frown okay. become an equal uh, equal citizen of the world with this existing one. So you've got all these people in these older countries or particular people holding on to older definitions saying, no, we have the proper definition and this stupid thing with the mouth from the Americans is BS, right? Yeah. And I can see where they're coming from, but I feel like they're not unified enough to put up a good fight against the American oh, frown imperialism. C- cer- certainly not. And and the frown emoji, like again, you know, the, someone's pointed out like the Unicode consortium is either in America or controlled by the United States, or but emoji comes from Japan. But either way, that emoji is the Waterloo of this whole forehead frowning <laughs> thing, because in 
in a couple of generations, no one is going to no one's going to cling to that forehead thing because the frowny emoji has two dots for an eye and an upside down U for a mouth. And that is frown. There's not even a forehead on it, let alone a forehead with wrinkles. Wow. So there's just wow, no stopping. Yes, that. there. I don't I could not tell you off the dome if there's any emoji that have something I could recognize as a forehead, except for the iMac. I mean, on some other weird platform there is, but I would say like the cultural imperialism of Apple's emoji set and maybe yes. Google's emoji set and the fact that the frown looks like this uh, in, in the emoji of those two, you know, of the Android and uh, iPhone operating systems mm-hmm. means there were a couple of generations away from that forehead thing really being put in the dustbin of history. Mm. Well, OK, but this is 2023 and we're trying to grow. So so here's my thing. And I'm about I'm about to say something that I know is not true. But it's a thing that will help you understand what it is. There's a thing I heard as a kid that I've since heard is not accurate. Uh, uh, the way, well, I don't know what you'd say today, illusions. What, when I was a kid, you see Eskimos have eight words for snow. And I know that's not strictly true. But I do think there is something to be said for having cultural sensitivity to the idea that we have the, this language. And, you know, language is a virus. Ooh, as, uh, as Laurie Anderson said. Language is a mess. It's 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 it really it's a it's it's a terrible mess. And and words lie to us. Let's take that as red. You know what you got to do with words. But here's the thing. Now, what if it is it that we have a diminished understanding? Uh, is there stuff beyond this? Like apparently, people in the UK only see eyebrows and not mouths, right? So like, is there what are we missing out on? Is there something? Do we need a broader cultural understanding? of any kind of facial or, or body language thing, are we missing out on something? Is there potentially more subtlety to this than we realize? Well, you're saying it's kind of like the facial expression version of the thing we're all familiar with in languages, that certain languages have sounds that other languages don't, so people who grew up speaking that language can't make the sounds that are not in that kind language. Kind of. Right? Yeah. Even though we're all the same equipment. Right. We got mouths and yes. tongues and all that other stuff. In theory, all of our, you know, anatomy is able to produce all the different sounds. But, you know, if you don't speak Hebrew and you can't make the sound or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, you know, it's like, well, like in a million different movies, what's your name? I can't tell you my name if I told it. Saying my name would, I think it's Hitchhiker's Guide is the first one I remember. Saying my name would kill you. Like you, mm-hmm. you couldn't say my name. But I'm, I was just saying more like, I wonder, I'm always curious about stuff where, like jokes have partially left the room. Jokes have one foot out the door, but like there is something about, and this is, I know the superior wharf thing is not directly germane to that movie where Amy Adams was a monster, but, but there is something to be said for like the way that you're raised and what you think about the world based upon what your options and language are. It's one reason that people like George Orwell and myself believe that it's worth taking the time to choose as the French would say, les mots justes. And we say that because we don't have anything as good in English as the French phrase, les mots justes. Um, sure we but, do. You we know, his, say the right uh, his wonderful essay on uh, politics and the English language, he talks about this and he was a scold about this in, I want to say the fifties. And I'm a scold about it now, which is, I understand that language evolves. I'm into that. Uh, I use a lot of language that evolved from other things. But if we don't pursue the word that describes what we mean, we not only become less clear speakers, we become less clear thinkers. And having more words for things, it seems like that's a way to be fancy. But I think that's just part of the extension of being an educated or learned person is that you learn that there are more ways of talking about this and then, ergo, thinking about this than, than you previously realized. And I'm, I'm just saying, maybe maybe I need face lessons. 
One of my favorite uh, ugly, Ameri- ugly ignorant American arguments from my uh, callow youth was that uh, English was a great language because it so greedily stole words from other languages. And, you know, go through all the examples we stole from like French or German or Italian. And we would mutate them and mess them all up and pronounce them wrong or whatever. But it's like English, American English will take words from any other, take words, whole phrases, you just said it, limo juste, right? Yeah. Why do English speakers know that when they have no idea about French? Well, it doesn't matter. If there's something out there that we think is useful, we'll take it. And by being that sort of uh, promiscuous, <laughs> it'll, it gives it gives the American English language more and more nuanced uh, ways of, you know, more granularity, right? Yes. Instead of just having the one word for snow, to use your stupid fictional example, yep. we'll have like 50 different words for the nuances of different emotions that are all circling around hopefulness based on the words we stole from Germany and the words we stole from Italian, weird mutations of old English, right? Yeah. Rom- romance languages, old English, like all those different things that we've cobbled yeah, together. Yeah, we'll, we'll steal the idioms, we'll steal the words, we'll mispronounce it, we'll turn them into our own words. Uh, and and the, sure uh, the American part of that is like, and other languages don't do that compared to French, where they want to have these weird words for computers and email that no one uses because they're too weird. But that's not true. Other languages love it. I mean, just look at Japanese and how many sort of what they call loan words or whatever. Like yeah, half of yeah. Ja- half of Japanese is speaking, uh, you know, quote unquote, mispronounced English these days. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think every language does this. But yeah, as fr- an American, fr- French, French doesn't do that at all. You know, they have a whole academy about that. And right, so they, but they can't stop it. Like email, they I forget what they're going to say. Because for sweater, they say pullover. And for yeah. the fix, facsimile machine, they say la fax. And, and email was like electronic uh, uh, you know, letter or something. But it doesn't matter. Email defeated. I'm pretty sure that like they were not able to hold back the tide on the computer words in France. Like I'm sure the yeah. you know, proper people probably still try to say it that way. But you can't, you know, again, uh, American cultural imperialism. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com diffs. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, you can engage with your audience, and you can sell anything, your products, your services, even the very stuff that you create. They said content, but I'm going to say stuff because I don't like saying content. But but you put it on Squarespace. Yeah, the thing is, they got you covered. You know, oh, there's so much stuff you can do. They have this whole list of things here that I can read and, and I can choose from that. The first one I'm going to choose is the one that blows my mind, which is that you can sell your products on an online store. Yes, you get an online store with Squarespace. How about that? You know, it's not a thing you got to strap on. It just comes with it. So whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. A huge one for me uh, too. You, you can get started with best in class, uh, uh, best in class website template, and you can customize it to fit your needs. It's really is that simple. It's as easy as browsing the category of your business to find a perfect starting place, and then you can customize it with just a few clicks. They're, they're really selling it. If I could say, with all with all respect to Squarespace, they're selling that a little short. It's crazy how good these templates are. It doesn't affect your content, or as I like to say, stuff. Uh, it's 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 just uh, you know it's the glass that you're pouring it into. They can just use that. And third and finally, get blogging, right? Because Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. And you'll be able to categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content, or as I like to say, stuff, work for you. Get blogging. Does anybody remember blogging? You know, I love Squarespace. Mm, It just makes me happy. I'm happy that they're a sponsor, but I'm just happy they exist. I'd, I'd be using them either way. 
Uh, it's 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 where my personal sites are. It's where Roderick on the line is. They've been good to me, and they're going to be good to you. So what you do is you, you go and you head over to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you a free trial. Okay? New credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, you can use the offer code diffs, D-I-F-F-S, and that's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain, squarespace.com slash diffs. When you decide to sign up, use that code diffs for 10% off your first purchase. I think I just said that, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it again. D-I-F-F-S. You know, it shows your support for, for John Syracuse. And as ever, he, he, he deeply, deeply needs it. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, that's pretty good. I'm, you know, I, I'm just, I'm glad to be alive. You know, it's exciting. It's a great time to be alive, you know, cause we can, we can find out about these things and we can talk to people as best we're able to with our limited understanding of snow and faces. And, and then we can, we can glean learnings as you say from, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time I hear it, isn't that a word people use? Don't people sometimes say learnings? I remember when I first heard that at my uh, jobby job and I immediately called the per. I was, I was had a good enough relationship with the fancy executive who first said it, that I could immediately call him on it. And I said, learnings it sounds like droppings like a rabbit dropping oh These absolutely are my well it sounds like it sounds like you had some some kind of a meal that didn't agree with you and then you you pinched off like, like a little narrow guy yeah, these, are, these are my learnings why, why yeah. don't you just say my knowledge so or sorry. the things don't go that in there, i learned man. don't go in there man i just had some learnings mm-hmm. um and that one is particularly galling to me because sometimes i understand that people are trying to be cute trying to be clever as you know john I'm I'm like I'm like this and I'm sorry. It bugs me. You have a very serviceable word for that already. I'm going to say which is lessons. Well, the thing thing about business jargon is it has a uh, a short half-life. Like I feel like they burn themselves out pretty quickly. The cycle is vicious. And I know now that I'm out of the game that there is like new yeah. words coming and old words that I used to know going, right? They don't stick in the language for decades and decades. They just they just churn through that jargon. And think, the, it's hard to believe. They, you really think they go away? You think like an open open yeah, the kimono yeah. is, is going away? Yeah, well, that one's going away for multiple reasons. But like double click mm. on that, like that's gone. Like nobody does that. I mean, and there's waves kind of like how, you know, people would be getting into a particular band in New York City and then it hits Ohio sure. seven years later. Right. But they, it burns out so fast. Like, and like I said, I know that now because I'm not at the jobby job picking up the new things. And I know that because when I was in the jobby job, I saw the old things disappear. It was right. it would be so ubiquitous. And, you and like, do you this- mark yourself as a rube if you're using something that's that nobody else is using anymore? Yeah, and also you just realize, like, you think, like, oh, double click on that is going to be around forever, and then fast forward five years, you're like, when's the last time you heard someone say double click on that? I don't wait. I don't. What does that mean? It's like a drill into that. Go into more detail. Oh no, really? Yeah, that was a thing so dominant, and then it just (sighs) disappeared. I I prefer to command. I prefer to command. Stupid. I like to command command down arrow on that. Yeah, right. Um, Drill drill down on that. It had more staying power. Yeah, um, the wonderful Avery, Avery Truffleman. Uh, I've been listening to her podcast on, she has a great podcast on clothing and culture. It's like, not, I don't say surprisingly good because she's amazing. Like she's at Radiotopia. She used to work on 99% Invisible. Yeah, I met her. Same that I met Roman Mars, no big deal. But anyway, she's fantastic. And in her latest series, which is all about what what people like me, you, and John Roderick might call preppy clothes, um, American Ivy is the name of her series. And it's, 
It's really, really good. But she's talking to this person who works at a company, WWGA or something like that, and they predict what the clothing trends will be two years in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's as interesting as you would, maybe more interesting than you would imagine. Was because that, wasn't there like the Merchants of Cool, some documentary on the same I love type of thing? On Frontline. That was an, yeah. that is an unbelievable. And by the way, Brady's Bits, um, the guy I wrote my thesis about in college is interviewed in Merchants of Cool. Yeah, that's that's the one with the mooks. No, the mooks, what do they call them? And it's like <laughs> sorry, oh. it says moops. Moops. <laughs> we love our bubble boy. It's frustrating. Um <laughs> Brian Doyle Murray, classic. The point I was gonna make was uh about what? What was I talking about? Uh moops. Uh, the language, the preppy thing, what clothes will be cool in two years. Distinction. Uh, uh, you know I love a distinction. Distinction between a trend and a fad. And then from trends, you get up to like macro trends and mega trends. And those sounds like silly business speak words, but I mean, I remember I read a book called Mega Trends. I think I was in like junior high or high school about like, oh, you know, Americans are moving south and people are getting older. And it's all the things that would be different in <laughs> the 80s. People are getting older. Nailed that one. Boom. You know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean, but it's, you can right. just throw that one out there and say, try to deny it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Show me the lie. All right. Uh, but trends, I think trends versus fads, fad is pretty interesting. It's not just the, the trend is slightly higher up in the stack than a fad, but a fad might be like, like a certain, yeah, like a, a fad pet is rock. the pet rock and the trend is yeah. fascism. Well, the trend <laughs> might be cheap g- gifts from Spencer's. I missed your funny bit. What did you say? Fascism. Oh, is that a trend or a fad? That's a trend. I was saying fad, pet rock, trend, uh-huh. fascism. Trend, fascism. Okay. Do you feel like you're pretty good at that? Like if I were to like pop quiz you, do you think you'd be able to tell me whether something's a trend, a fad, a, a super fad, or, or a mega trend? You <laughs> I, do would, that? I would just do trend versus fad. Because I feel like the fads, fads like are stupider and they come and go quicker, right? Whereas the trend, whereas the trend uh-huh. is over the long term, things are moving in that direction. And so even though there are mm. deviances from the trend, the overall trend is, as you said, people are getting older. They are getting older. It's not, they, it's not reversible at this juncture. Yeah, I would, I would uh, quote the uh, They Might Be Giants song if I knew the lyrics. <clears throat> you're older than you've ever been and now you're even older and now you're even older. And now you're even older. Jim will cut this out. You're older than you've ever been, and now you're even older. And now you're older still. Hit it. I, and I can't even correct you because I don't do know it. if that's right or not. Of course it is. Now, now, now do the Flansburg part. No, I can't. I don't know any of the lyrics. Okay, I you ready? I'm going to step away from the mic. You ready? <clears throat> Time is marching on. Because when I do John uh, Linnell, apparently I do it in a Jerry Lewis <laughs> voice, Glavin. <laughs> And time is still marching on with, with the giving of the thing mm-hmm. and the aging. Stupid goddamn show. It's a pleasure to be here. We've done follow-up. Funny Voices um, are back. Who is? Funny Voices are back. Oh, just write it on the stars, my friend. This is 2023 is going to be the year of the Funny Voice. And I mm-hmm. may be working some of that out here. Do you have a, you have a certain uh, Funny Voice? Oh, you know what you like? You like, you like uh, the Irish guy, right? You like that voice. Oh, the one of the voices that you do? I like all your voices. Well, come on. Your accent, the Irish accent is not good, but the, the things that you had accent. the person yeah. saying <laughs> and the, the attitude uh, uh-huh. comprised, uh-huh. The, uh-huh. the attitude that, that, is, that is contained in what they were saying. Yeah. Don't mind if I sit here for a minute and have mm-hmm. a smoke. Yeah. He went there to get, he went there to pick up his furniture and they didn't have it. What kind of furniture? What, what kind of furniture was it, Marlon? Beautiful pine furniture. 
Because you see, back in Ireland, that was the height of luxury was to have beautiful pine furniture. Mm-hmm. And she's got the nose ring. That's right. That's the one. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one every time you see somebody, that's the, that's the disdain. The disdain right there. I ran into that guy today at the hardware store. Not that particular guy, but like we have a lot of that guy mm-hmm. around here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, everybody's getting ready because we got an atmospheric river right now. So there's a li- big line at uh, Great Wall Hardware. Great Wall uh, Hardware, Terrible Street. Uh, just west of the post office. Check it out. It's your, the best. Your area just cannot, not just, well, I guess, yeah. Your area is not, does not want this much rain. No. And I know you're going to make fun of me for the same reason. People in California, they don't have doors. Well, but California is a big place. Okay, but like, I'm going to tell you what I tell all my kids, John Syracuse, which is like, that you, but you, grow up. Because every place has tolerances for what deviation from the the normal parameters they can tolerate right but there are some places that are more safe like san diego probably has the lowest tolerance because it's always the freaking same weather there every day 365 days one a year of the, the only time i was, I was actually, i'm sorry i was in san diego twice one time we were there for one of my wife's uh, work events uh it's really weird we were staying at this place right across from the beach where the navy seals train it was very odd but like i was there and it pissed rain the entire like three days we were there and every single person was like, like apologizing. Like, mm-hmm. I swear it's never like this. It never does this. Yeah. 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 Or like, you know, it's, I understand why you want rain in Los Angeles in your Blade Runner or your whatever, your, you know, Los Angeles plays itself movie, but like, they don't really get rain there. I'm just saying that it's what things can tolerate. And I think it's a little bit simple when people say things like that, because also you've got to understand, like, we've got a lot of stupid goddamn invasive exotics here. The park by my house, don't be creepy, is chock-a-block with freaking eucalyptus trees with roots that I could take out with a pen knife. And when it rains, those suckers just go straight over because, mm. you know what I'm saying? And so, like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, it's like, oh, it rained and uh, it rained and nobody knows how to drive in the rain or no. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not the people that are the problem. It's the literal earth that is not, does, isn't, can't, doesn't That's have the capacity really to point. take that much water into it. So the no. water runs over it and causes many, many problems. Yeah, my um, my in laws. Uh, not that I'm angry. They they um they had to they had to bug out. You should see the crazy there the creek uh, near where they live. Yeah, I've seen, like, seen a lot of pictures of people's houses with all it's uh, the sides nuts. of hills that used to be there and aren't yes. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like where Kevin Kelly lives, like down in Pacifica, it's like it, the whole community is basically like a cliff in fog. It's it's crazy, and like houses will just slide off a cliff there. Mm-hmm. It's completely insane. You know, part of that, I got to say, John, as somebody who spent a lot of time in Florida, I mean, compared to like a healthy person, you know, a lot of that's on us. The whole like the way that we build is a little bit crazy, John. I don't know if you know this, John. It's a yeah, little bit crazy. Well, I, I've always felt that California is very precarious. Like so much of it is uh, is desert where people probably shouldn't be living. And the other parts of it are oh, ma- like so you're absolutely. building on shifting sands. I mean, I know whole portions of Boston are built on landfill, but it's pretty stable landfill. Yeah, for the yeah, most yeah, part. yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um, part of San Francisco is built on shipwrecks. The Marina District is all just built on shipwreckage. Or, or Chicago, where they built the second city on top of the other one. I love that they did that. That That's is the Futurama effect. It's it's absolutely amazing. I'm sorry, I'm belching out my salad, and I apologize to the listener for that. Jim will fix it. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but you know, oh yeah. So uh, yeah, there's there's many very. Gosh, I wish that you would like White Noise. I think you're gonna hate it. I, I've watched I, it. I might like the movie. Adaptation. I've watched it twice. And you're going to be very confused because, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Rilo Kiley, he, uh, that, that actor, 
he, um, the guy from Girls, he looks so much like Steve Coogan in this movie that mm-hmm. it's kind of upsetting. And, uh, but there is a great line, you know, I was saying to my kid, like, who cares? But I was like, Madeline went to Bard. I went to New College. Madeline went to two years at Bard, two years at Santa Cruz. I went to New College. Those are right there alongside Reed and Evergreen. We went to, we went to like T-H-E fruitcake liberal arts schools. And there are some scenes when Don Cheadle is lecturing on Elvis. So you read the book. You know that Jack started the, the Hitler studies program at that college. And Don Cheadle's character is, wants Elvis to be his Hitler. And, but the lectures that he gives are not that farcical compared to some things Mm-hmm. That I've that I've sat in on, and there's a particularly great scene in the cafeteria where a bunch of the faculty, <laughs> two of whom are wearing their gowns that you usually only wear to graduation, um, are, uh, are are going back and forth. And there's just there's so many great lines going back and forth. If you do watch it, watch it with subtitles on because you'll catch a lot more of the like background Robert Altman style stuff. But anyway, there's just one great line about how they're they're blah 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 cutting cutting back and forth between all these people talking about all these random different things, and one person says, "Oh yeah," but then you the, the, that's where California comes in. California invented the whole idea of lifestyle. They deserve whatever they get. <laughs> I think it's true. It's like the apotheosis of this might be Las Vegas, um, which was featured, gosh, in something amazing I was reading yesterday. But, you know, that, that whole idea of the just the, not insanity, the obscenity of putting Las Vegas in the middle of a desert because of a, primarily because of, of railroads, soldiers, and a glitch in our neurology that gives us slight hits of dopamine for periodic rewards. Like it's so insane that somebody is putting prime rib on a truck and driving it mm-hmm. to the middle of the desert. And I, I think about that myself. I thought about that in Florida where like, and I'm, I'm really, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying this to be over mean, but F- Florida with it in its own element is pretty rough. Like there's a lot, it's almost like Australia. Like we, there's, there's, there's a lot of animals that want to hurt you. There's extreme weather in all kinds of different places. Really big bugs. Really? Well, yeah. And there's this part of me that's like, I don't understand because I, I, you know, I was, I went to school in Florida, so I don't know history, but I mean, why did you stop your wagons here? Like what made you go, Ooh, Gainesville? That should be nice. <laughs> like I've never been bitten by so many mosquitoes as one night in a tent outside of Gainesville, Florida. I've never been bitten by so many creatures. If you did not have all of that infrastructure, all of that air conditioning, all of that water to, you know, water your lawn, all of that stuff, I mean, it would just, it would turn into, th- you know, it would be like that, that, uh, uh, it was a, the Planet of the Apes movie, like where San Francisco has like regressed to like a pre-human state, you know, where there's, do you ever see that, that one? It's uh, one of the Andy Circus, uh, Planet of the Apes movies. Yep. Yep. I could see Florida getting like that in about two and a half weeks. Mm. Well, that's not how evolution works, as you know, but sure. Are you talking about natural selection? <laughs> I mean, in the Planet Apes movie, to be fair, they said it was a virus, so fine. I, but they, they, they well, and Laurie Anderson says language is a virus, who? Yeah, I mean, and I, I would say that building on a swamp, which is what most of Florida is, yeah. is more defensible than building on top of, like, a crumbling mound that will, you know, slide down into yeah. a giant mudslide no, uh, the second you, it rains. No, you lack, you lack tenacity. If, if it goes into the swamp, you rebuild it on the swamp. 
And well, that, saying, one, the swamp that, is more that one fell because, over and then the went swamp, into the, the swamp. The swamp is flat and the swamp is a known <sighs> entity. It's like, look, it's all wet down here. You're but not going to you can... play with me on the Monty Python joke, are you? <sighs> no. That one that. fell over, <laughs> caught on fire, fell over and then slid into the swamp. Mm-hmm. But the third one stayed. Let's not bicker and argue about who killed who. That movie was so special to me is when I was my Brian? kid's age. No, that's, um, that's all Holy Grail. Holy Grail. Okay. There That's go. where you can see all the, the violence inherent in the system. Mm-hmm. It's only a model. That's the only one I still it's do. It's only a model. That, but, I, but I have to really rein myself in because the number of people who understand what I'm saying just shrinks <laughs> really? by the day. Yeah, my favorite, my, my favorite I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one of my favorites, I've got the DVD box set that comes with a little catapult with cows that you can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that. That movie was formative for me, probably unsurprisingly. But I love the exchanges between John Cleese as the French guy up on the castle with the guys mm-hmm. down on the ground. Pitch la vache. Pitch la vache. <laughs> this episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash rd. As the seasons change, maybe you're thinking about having a change around the home too. You know, uh, turn, 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 you know like they say in the Old Testament. Uh, It doesn't have to be a full redecoration. Uh, It could just be one great sofa or a dresser that can refresh your whole space and make it feel entirely new. But nobody wants the hassle of moving heavy furniture, and you got to find a vehicle big enough to transport it. I don't have a vehicle. And then you got to find somebody to help you with the lifting. No, thank you. Well, if you're a longtime listener of Rectifs, and I hope you are, you'll know there's a furniture brand that took care of that for you, and that's Burrow. Burrow offers fast, free shipping on every order, and that can save you an average of $100 on a big item like a couch. And Burrow is designed for the way that you live, you in particular. Their credenzas have uh, cool, adjustable height interior shelves and cord organizing holes at each corner, so they're perfect for any TV, unless you're John Syracuse, but that's not Burrow's fault. The thing you need to know is that Burrow is easy. It's easy to shop with, right? You can spare yourself the warehouse trip and shopping online well i mean you know it's it's it, it's you just get a couch you get a burrow right everything's designed to work perfectly together in your living space so all you got to do is add it to the cart plus they have world-class support that is available for you whenever you need them and burrow's new union collection is their biggest deepest plushest widest modular seating design to date and the unique fabric is easy to clean and it's stain resistant while still being super soft and comfortable. And that gets shipped to your door for free and it's a breeze to build. No tools needed. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. They can just have that. Uh, I have a burrow couch. I was sitting on it a few minutes ago before I remembered that I, that I had to record some advertisements for the program. So I got off a burrow couch. I came here and, and now you're hearing me. Hello. Uh, and, and then when I go home, I'm going to go sit on the couch again. Again, that's not burrow's fault. It's, it's really to their credit. You know, because that's how we got the couch. I didn't even use it like a code or anything. I just bought it because I wanted a burrow couch. Right now, you can get 10% off your first order at burrow.com slash RD. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash RD. That's going to get you 10% off your burrow purchase. Burrow.com slash RD. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Anyway, welcome to Reconcilable Differences with John Syracuse. This is a place where I talk about things I like, and I get John to talk about his feelings, such as they are. (laughs) Sometimes. 
What, I, you sometimes have them or I sometimes encourage you? You sometimes get me to talk about them. I try to, I try to protect your persona and your brand. Do you? <laughs> do, do you want me, do you want me to, you've seen how I am. You've seen how I can be. I've seen you the violence inherent in the system. Yeah, you're... <laughs> <laughs> you could the best place to do it's only a model because you gotta like whisper it's it under only, your it's breath. It's only a model. Right. You gotta whisper it under your breath, like off to the side, like no one's listening to you and who you're talking to. Do it at Disney. Because they have all like those force perspective things. Oh, like of course. the beast. Yeah, like, like the, sec- the, the second the story castle. is shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, 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 the Beauty and the Beast castle is is literally a force perspective thing. It's supposed to look like a castle way yeah. off in the distance. Cinderella's castle just, is so much smaller than you think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. When someone looks at that, I say, look at that Beauty and the Beast castle, you could say. Only a model. Yeah. Oh man, what a what a film. Um, do you want to do holiday? We have time for holiday results, real quick. Yep, we we can wrap up with our holiday results. We had a holiday. Yeah, we did, whether we wanted or not. And uh, I don't know. I was just, I, I mean, I'm happy to talk about mine, uh, especially because I, I really had a good time and had good family time. But I was just curious because, like, you, this is your first. I don't know. I mean, it's your first. I feel like big holiday, you know, where your kids gone off to college, your kids are growing up. I was just curious, you know, how, how was your holiday results? Well, the nice thing about college break is it's so much longer than, you know, you know, elementary school, high school, middle school, uh, winter break type thing. So my son has been home. It was like, like three weeks, something like that. I don't even know what it is, but yeah, maybe, maybe it's even up to a month. It's like, he's been home for a while. And so it's felt more like an extended break from school in the middle of which we had Christmas. Yeah. Then, oh, someone coming home for Christmas. Right. Because even like, you know, my, my daughter is back in school. but My son is not. My daughter's back in high school. The high school started up again, but my son yeah. doesn't go back until next week. So yeah, not only does yeah. it extend on one end of. Uh, is he, is he still there? If I could ask, is, is he still there? Yep. Yep. It extends on the <sighs> other end as well, which is nice. He must be losing his mind. Nah, I, I think it's I think he enjoys being home. I think, you know, yeah. we're trying to do fun, relaxing things like I think that's important to the relaxing thing. He's, he's more. And I think like uh, your mindset where it takes a while to unwind and then to wind back up again. Yeah. But he also has doesn't he also have your hobbit tendencies a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and we've been trying to do like fun things. Like we I, I had been watching uh, we're watching some uh, anime series with him using that uh, the Plex watch together thing. I know you probably have not had occasion to use that, but I'm going to tell you uh, your future. You will have occasion know, to use I that. I keep meaning if, to try it. Yeah. If you're lucky, because that's how you could try to get your kid to interact with you when they're off at college. The watch together stuff on Plex. You, you if you both are part of the same Plex library and have access to it from your various computers, you can initiate a thing that says watch together and you invite the other person and then you're both watching the same thing synchronized with each other. The thing that I think it doesn't do is I think it doesn't have any way for you to talk to the other person I when you're watching. I don't think so. And if you pause, does it pause for both of you? Yes. And so, oh, so if I, you have to pee or something, you're good. But but I but the whole point of the watch the other thing is I wanted to be able to talk in real time like it's like if you're sitting on the same couch you can make the comments you can point and say that's chappy or whatever you're gonna do you know yeah, do yeah exactly or so you can say it's only a model <laughs> that's breaking bad <laughs> or so you can pause and explain something which kids love they love it when you do that oh my gosh they do. <laughs> you know what kids love is extra context yeah exactly let me tell you about this uh, but anyway. so you guys have done that while he's away yeah so we would, we would do that while he was at school as a, as a way of me getting him to watch the old anime that he missed because he was born too late um 
and and we used uh, we used Discord for the voice chat. Uh, it's the the watch the other thing is so weird. I think it like it doesn't let you do it from the web or maybe it does. It's buried in the web interface. But anyway, I did it. We did it on the iPad. Plex's features vary pretty widely from platform to platform. It's not that one is particularly if you like neutered. It's just that like there's stuff that you can do in some and not in others. I bet you can do it in iOS and Apple TV. Yeah, or it's hidden in different places. But anyway, mm. on the iPad, we're both on iPads, right? And we use Discord on the iPad to do voice chat. And oh, then wow. we switch to Plex and do watch together. And that actually works. Discord does real-time voice chat, even though it's a whole other application. Look at me using two applications at once on an iPad. Um, so we use uh, Discord for voice chat, and then we use watch together in Plex. And that's worked out really well. And anyway, um, all that says when he came home, we could watch together the old-fashioned way, both sitting on the same couch. Yeah. And that was fun. And also, um, I got him and my wife to watch uh, The Peripheral with me. Mm-hmm. Um, for the third time, I was thinking this is the only television show I think I've ever watched in my adult life three times. It's only one season, you watched obviously. It, I'm on like, I think I'm done with two. So it sounds like this gets your seal of approval. It does, but that's not why I watched it three times. I did no. not watch it three times because I'm not you like, you like you. Where you like I, to watch your frown? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not like you where I watch uh, uh, television programs more than once. I almost never do that, even the ones I really like. <laughs> you you could have stopped it. I'm not like you. Yeah. Um, if, uh, the reason I watched this three times is just yeah. an accident of history, sort of. Like, the first time I watched it, I liked it fine, right? But I didn't think anyone else was interested in it. And I also do, I do the thing where I, I'm like you in this, yeah. I'll scout, I'll scout a program. Exactly, exactly. And like, like I did, I did that with Triangle of Sadness in particular, where mm-hmm. I was like, I know this is going to, Madeline's going to be so into this. And I, I paused and like came back. But there's sometimes where I can't stop myself and I actually do like watch it all the way through, knowing that I'll watch it again. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch a whole season of something so I can tell if my wife will like it. And if she does like it, I'll watch it. So here's how I watched it three times. I watched it once myself and said, oh, it's good. I liked it. I do recommend people watch this. I think it's good. Um, mm-hmm. She's and, one, and she, then, she is. Wait, no, I'm sorry. That's not Florence Pugh. That's, um, it's that's Chloe it's Grace lady. Moretz. I apologize. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's then, kick ass. When my parents were out for Thanksgiving, my mom likes to watch sci-fi stuff, and she's always asking me for recommendations, although my parents, being old, are too cheap to buy batteries and also too cheap to pay for streaming services, even though they <laughs> have plenty of money to pay for streaming services. So they asked, my mom asked me for to recommend sci-fi shows, and then I say, you should watch this. It's really good. And they're like, oh, I don't have that streaming service. I'm like, just can you just pay $8? <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to pay for it. We pay they no, it's like it's like it. George Costanza not paying for parking. I bet it's yeah, a or principle. Old people not buying batteries. Old people don't want to pay for things that they think don't make sense to them, and that yeah. includes in the the Seinfeld sketch. It includes batteries, and for my parents, it includes software and streaming services. Anyway, so when she was visiting <laughs> me, I'm like, "Look, I have all the streaming services. Let's watch the peripheral together." And my mom, of course, can barely see now. She's got really bad vision, so right, she watches right. everything with audio descriptions. Mm-hmm. Have you ever watched anything like that? Yeah, I watched Daredevil like that once daredevil was the first one i remember where they said hey look you know this is this is a i'm i happen to agree daredevil is a really good show and on top of all they're like hey this is about a you know uh a superhero who does not have sight it, why how could you put this out without ad and then they turned it they must have had it underway but i thought it was really interesting and different and a, a bit of a godsend I, I personally wouldn't leave it on for me Whereas I live for subtitles because my vision is bad. My hearing is bad. Like everything, like I really need subtitles, you know, to not have to turn it up. But no, that was, I think that's the only one I've ever seen. But even describing like the, you remember the opening of Daredevil? It's got that like Mm -hmm. liquid pouring down thing. And like they even described that. It's 
it's fascinating. I'm trying to imagine that in the peripheral. Yeah, I'm, one of the things that it helps my mom with, even if even if she had perfect vision, I think she says, I appreciate the fact that because in the audio description, and what we're talking about, by the way, is where there's another voice narrating what you see on the screen. So, But in a very neutral way, like saying a man, a man walks into a room holding a pistol in his right hand. Right, like, but so yeah. that's the, the feature that my mom says, even if I had perfect vision, I would still like this because they don't just say a man, they say the characters' names over and over. And if oh, you sure. watch a program just regular, maybe you get the character's name once or twice and they just assume you're going to remember it. But like four episodes in, you're like, what was that guy's name? The guy with the thing, the person with the eye patch. Like you get all these little shorthands. Like, I know who you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. The the guy with the peg leg. Right. But you don't remember their names. Right. (laughs) Right. But but in the audio descriptions, they're constantly saying the name. Jim picks up the can from the floor. He trips. He looks up and sees Mary. Right. And you never have to guess who is that that he saw in the window. They said it was Mary. Like, even if you didn't recognize the face because there's rain on the window. Mm -hmm. There's, There's a lot of movies where I could really use that. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's not the way I prefer I, to watch House, anything, of, House of the Dragon would have been real handy. Yes, very helpful. Right. And so, so I know uh, if it's Viserys or Viserys. <laughs> yeah. So my, my mom obviously can only watch shows that have audio description. So anyway, I, I said, you should watch The Peripheral. It's good. And I'll watch it with you. And of course, we watched it with audio description on. Um, and then I still had to pause every few times in an episode to explain stuff to her. But that's the whole point. That's the service I provide. We get to watch it together. And since I had already seen it once, I could explain things when she had questions. And of course she had questions, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the second time I watched it. And then the third time is my son comes home for the holidays and my, my wife hadn't seen the peripheral, but I had scouted it and said, I think you like the peripheral. And I'd been pitching my son on the peripheral, but he's like, oh, I don't have time to watch it. I got finals, blah, blah, blah. So when he came home, I'm like, guess what? We can all watch the peripheral. Yeah, my daughter was not interested. Uh, and so I watched all through the peripheral the th- a third time, except for the last episode, which we're going to watch tomorrow. Wow. Right. So I've seen the peripheral three times now, not because I love it so much. I wanted to see it three times just because I've I wanted other people to see it and didn't get our acts together to do it all at once. Right. Right. So that experience of like, oh, now, we, you know, we get to come home and we can finish the anime series that we're doing and watch together and we can watch I think an that's entire. Really nice. I mean, there are probably people in the world who look at that and go like, oh, God, why don't you go like play a sport or something? And I'm like. Uh, that makes me so it makes me so happy to for my kid especially my kid and me to be really into the same thing that we're watching because it it doesn't happen all the time there's usually some delta but for both of us to be really into it and know the running jokes and of course you know i gosh i hope your family has running bits where you say something whatever a certain kind oh somebody 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 forgot to do something and now like uh, they're waving a gun around and everybody in the room goes that's not very safe because that's the thing we used to say whenever mm-hmm. something happened on TV where Madeline would worry the kid would imitate it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. The man on the wire ran on a wire like, oh, that's not very safe. <laughs> but like, I, it's the best. I guess I could go play sports, but I I genuinely enjoy that. And it's chill. It's 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 nice. Yeah. And so being able to do that, being able to have like the literal weeks to casually without like without being like, oh, we got to watch an episode every night where we're going to fall behind just to sort of casually when time and mood allows to work our way slowly through an entire series with my son being home is a nice uh, it doesn't feel like, oh, you're visiting and then you're gone. It feels like we've we've got him back. And obviously he's going to go back to school. But like, right, you know, he'll, he'll come, like it's. That's, I guess it's the nature of college. The breaks are longer and, you know, and he's close by. So we, we saw him a lot, especially in the beginning. He would come back home for weekends and stuff. And we get, a lot of it was our medical appointments because we didn't get it all done before he left or he got new glasses and had to get them get go to the eye doctor and they had to come back again to get the glasses mm-hmm. fitted because they got to find the pupil distance. And like, so it was lots of, you know, going back and forth. But 
this was nice long extended one where he could just veg out and not do anything and just so, hang the, out, but like, and know? to just draw out further what you're saying, uh, maybe to repeat what you're saying, it's nice that you don't feel the press of like, oh, you're here for four nights, so we've got a lot to jam in. You guys right. have time to, I guess, you know, decompress. Oh, yeah. Do he gets things. time to unwind mm-hmm. and just like, you know, you're, be a and you're not and, pressing him into family stuff all the time, which is yeah, nice. exactly. And you know, and we did some, we did some of the things. We were like, oh, we have to continue the project of cleaning your room. And you know, he did get a bunch of. Uh, he's got a lot of book collections that he gets. He got some more books that he asked for for Christmas, and now he's like running out of shelf space. So we had to do the whole sort of make a whole business yeah. in his room yeah, yeah. is like sure, sure. which which completed lego kits can we shift up to the attic to make room on the bookshelves for the new books that are now Isn't long your enough daughter that, i thought you know. your daughter was going to uh annex his room has that is there a kibosh on that at this point she did jump dump a bunch of her stuff in there and she has done a couple <laughs> of craft projects in there but she like she's she's put too much work into the vibe of her room that I don't think like his room would be a champion. He's, he's still using his room. He's got all his stuff in it, and his amount of stuff is non-trivial. He's got a lot of books. And so, those Legos, they sound like they take yeah, up a lot so of space. God, we have so many. I swear. I wish every piece of Lego could be converted into a fraction of a cent. I would have so much money. <laughs> you have no. I have so many Legos, and I know you don't. People don't like it when you say Legos, but I have just so many. Completed sets, yes, tons yeah. of those. But then just loose Legos, oh, pounds yeah. and pounds and pounds of it. Just we've got we got one thing we do. It's on the coffee table right now, which is you know so, I, I, I don't know maybe it's just me. I always thought the Lego sets. One thing was really remarkable about the kits was that they all it wasn't like there'd be a missing puzzle piece, right? You would always get the pieces, but also. I have on a number of occasions been amazed that exactly the right pieces were in there with nothing left over. And it seems like the smaller and more sort of trivial the sets are, the more often, like like my advent calendar was Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So, you know, I, like uh, my Peter uh, Quill, like came with a pistol, but he came with two pistols. So we do a thing where we keep all the extras in like a, in like a little jar with the notional idea that someday we're going to figure out what we can make from, from mm-hmm. a bucket of nubbins. Yeah, a lot of the the more modern Lego sets give you multiples of the of the two pieces. I think you're most likely to lose. I yeah, I guess so. The kid is making one of the kids' Christmas presents. Is uh, the I know this sounds silly, but it's actually pretty cool. Um, there's a really neat set which is um, Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night as a mm-hmm. Lego, and you get a little you get a little uh, Vincent, and uh, boy that. That's a that's the biggest set he's built. I think it's really it's really really quite remarkable. But I'm talking about like in in relatively small sets, like blind box type sets, you'll sometimes get extra stuff, which feels like a kind of a new development. You know, like the way they like um, overfill stuff to account for you know we'd rather give you too much rather than too little. I don't mm-hmm. know. It just seems weird. But, but yeah, you got to figure out where those are going to go. And now does that mean you're going to have to get rid of some computers and boxes for computers? No, I mean, so the thing with the hardest things are obviously completed sets, because how do you store them? Like they're so like they're not compressible. They right. take up a large volume, but they're mostly sparse. And so we just end up using those, you know, plastic, clear plastic containers and you try to size them so that the thing occupies you a mean reasonable like a, like a, like a bin, it. like a tote box. Yeah, but you try to size them. Like, so the problem is, like, the, take the Millennium Falcon. It's shaped like a hamburger, right? Wh- which famously. one? Which one? Like, like not the crazy expensive and not the easy one. The in no, one, one of the smaller Millennium Falcons. But the, like, still, the, th- the, three, the like, three figure, but not, like, not the $1,000 one. Yeah, no, it's it's the small. But still, the proportion-wise, is difficult because you can't find a bin that's that wide but also yeah. that low. 
And so that for the longest time, that was in a bin where it was not filling the top half of the bin at least. Right. And, and what I did for removing stuff was I took one of the, uh, I forget what they are there. The, uh, the black split engine X wings from the force awakens. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? We have I one of those. I put it on top think... of the Millennium Falcons. Like, look, oh, that's really cool. You're just going to have to precariously balance there because now you both fit in this box and that'll take up more room. He had a bunch of Ninjago stuff, which I mostly just sort of, you know, arranged. <laughs> we had a Ninjago in a Lego game when Billy was little. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, I was never into Ninjago, so I don't care that much about those sets. So I just kind of arranged them as best I could. I don't want to disassemble them because they took all took so long to build yeah, them. We built course. them all together, right? Yeah, yeah. But then the disassembled Legos, we just have bins and bins of complete Ugh. disassembled Legos. Like this, this I swear, this house would have been my dream as a child because all my Legos could fit in a single metal toolbox that I had from like my dad or something. All yeah. of my Legos didn't even fill half of that. It was a different time. I mean, yeah. even even you're, you're what, 10 or 15 years younger than me. And, it, you know, it, it, obviously that's very different than I was. I, I don't think Benny in the spaceship was... Which which Billy has made the 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 reissue of mm-hmm. that which is terrific, yeah that's that was that was more than my entire Legos that that big space oh sure and I think that was like what nineteen seventy nine or eighty yeah the classic space was all I had that's the only there was, set there I was had space, my friends there was had castles the, yeah my and... friends had the the cast kings and castles and I stole the broadswords from him to use <gasps> his wings on my space fighter did you ever make amends no I, mean, I didn't steal I'm bar he had he he's oh. the one who had a lot of he's the one who introduced me my, my friend Eric introduced me to the thought technology of when you have enough Legos that you want to like let's let's play Legos the thought technology was take a blanket lay it down in the middle of the living room mm-hmm. dump the Legos into the middle of the blanket mm-hmm. then you do your Lego stuff with both of you sort of picking from the pile and when you're done you take the blank the four corners of the blanket wrap it all back up bring it back over to the bin and dump it back in Eric sounds like a dream child. He, because he was the one who he had like, that was more like it was ever seen in my entire life. Right. I had this tiny little like lunchbox practically filled with classic <laughs> space sets. And he had enough that you had to put out a blanket. I'm like, this is the stuff we just spent hours. We'd pull mm-hmm. the Legos, put on the blanket and spend hours there. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. 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 But now my son has enough to fill a swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm trying to see if I got any good sets I can show you. I think I've shown you this one. I sent you the the one with the Iron Giant and that you've seen that one in the Dalek. I'll send you a picture of the, um, the, uh, the painting. So that sounds nice. Yeah. So, and it was just us because my parents came out for Thanksgiving, but that uh, no one came out for Christmas. So it was just the immediate family and we had our tree and, Oh, uh, you know, my wife had been away. She went to uh, on a trip to visit a friend in London before mm-hmm. Christmas. So she had been away in early, uh, early December. And we bought the tree before she left and the tree was just sitting. And then when she came back, we decorated the tree. That sounds nice. Um, you know, and everything, everything worked out. Everyone got all our presents. I only forgot one present. Well, one and a half presents this year. This is my new <laughs> thing is that I forget. I bought we buy presents and squirrel them right throughout the house. And then when it comes time for Christmas, you got to put the presents under the tree. And I always forget at least one thing. This year, I only had one and it was trivial, but there will frequently be one to three, especially for the kid. We're like, I try to be so good about keeping everything in the same place. And because you know how I am, I mark the boxes with a little like index. So I know which mm-hmm. boxes, which thing, and you don't have to like sort around. But like, yeah, this is the first year that I only had one. It was a sticker of a California bear. and That was the only one. What was Mine yours? was, well, I had two problems. One, I had wrapped a t-shirt for my son and realized I wrapped the wrong t-shirt, but I realized that after I wrapped it. So I said, well, okay, when he opens this, I'll just go get the other t-shirt from my drawer upstairs. I did that. The other one, my wife found a coat that I bought for my daughter. She found it in the attic. Where I what? put it, 
right? I put it in the attic as a place that was because it was like we bought it on Etsy or something like that, or where it was like someone's used thing and I was letting it air out. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah. Right. And I put it there and I thought I had written it on my little squirrel list or whatever, but I just, <laughs> if you don't check the list, if you don't know what you're checking for, I got to come with I know, a better system. I know. I, you made me start that podcast list and I never look at it. You know, more yeah. the pity. That, that's the secret. I think I did search it, but I searched for like gift or Christmas and I really, I need a better system mm-hmm. for finding, you know. So anyway, that was found several days, weeks <laughs> after Christmas and my wife found it and said, oh, you forgot about this. So she got a late present there. Does it, does it still fit? And everything? Oh, yeah, it was. Just, I mean, it was just a thing that she had seen online and had noted that it was cute, and she thought she would like it. I mean, she, she loves to get like thrift store or whatever. Sure, things, yeah, yeah. You know? So this is she. She was happy with the coat. It would have been better if we wrapped it up and put it on the tree for Christmas, but we didn't. But you know, I think there's something kind of nice and fun about that. Yeah, and then of course, you know, my the the holiday season ends with my birthday, which we had, and I had my traditional cake. We, I just talked about in the most recent episode of ATP, the the cake that uh, my wife's been making for me for. I'm I'm pretty intrigued by know, the pineapple concept. A decade and happy. The recipe is is in the ATP show notes. I know you. you I, I, I Gardner. Ina, I know. I know. Ina. Ina. Yeah, but I listen to your program. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the the pine, I'm very intrigued by the pineapple part. I would love to have Marcus pineapple skills. You know, I, I, I'm going to, I keep meaning to get into fruit and it hasn't taken yet. Mm. Um, but, but that's See, something I'm working on. Just start with strawberries. I've been, I've had good luck. I like with strawberries. My... Yeah, yeah. Strawberries are pretty, I mean, just like. Have them every, every morning with your breakfast. Uh, yeah. I don't really. Here's, here's the secret just to getting good yeah. with strawberries, right? Yeah. Okay. They're pretty easy to find. I imagine by you, they're also easy to find, right? But mm-hmm. the trick to making them palatable to someone who's not maybe into the strawberry thing is. And this this sounds kind of like the pasta shape thing, like, oh, all pasta is the same. What difference does the shape make? But of course, if you know about pasta, you know the shape makes all the difference, right? And uh, strawberries, cutting the strawberries up makes all the difference. Yeah. Okay. And how do you cut them? First thing you do is cut off the green part and chuck that into your compost, right? Do you use the, a straw to part? get out the middle? No. Chop, yeah. chop off the top part. And you could be pretty generous chopping off the top part. Like, you know, you don't have to like just barely get off the green part and leave the rest. You can cut down a little bit, right? And then if it's a small strawberry, it gets cut in half, right? The remaining yeah. part. If it's a le- slightly um, bigger. Sorry, get, sorry, sorry. Um, lengthwise. So so you get like basically like you've opened it, like you've cut open a heart. Kind yeah, of. Like, well, yeah. so you 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 cut the you cut the green part off and then you put, yeah. the, put it cut side down so it looks like a little mountain. Right? Oh, po- pointy side up. Pointy side up. And then you cut vertically down. That's in half. And yeah. if it's a big strawberry, you cut it uh, with a cross pattern to four. Interesting. And you eat those cut pieces. And you would think, how does that make any difference? It's the same freaking strawberry if I pick it up and take a bite oh, out no, of it no, no, as no. if you gave it to me cut in half. Oh, John, John It makes please. all the difference. Don't, don't, it sickens me. One of, one of my omnibus efforts, which is going bloody nowhere, is that, like, I don't like wasting food. It's nothing that I enjoy doing, but I also don't like paying to refrigerate future garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and the thing that I've been trying to very, very gently socialize is like if you take nobody likes the chicken wings. Like if you get the, you take the chicken wing and you put it in a bag, you're basically like I say, you're refrigerating future garbage and no one's going to eat it. Here's the thing: if you put if you want to if you want food that you will eat, uh, now my corollary to this, by the way, is that food is for eating. You get no bonus points for saving food for later if, if it's especially the holiday just to eat it it's food it's what it's for stickers are for sticking food is for eating eat the food but here's the thing if you want food to be something that you will eat you have to treat it like a future meal rather than a, a past garbage project so if you think you're going to eat so you say oh we're going to say there's just a little bit of pasta left 
Of course, I say, well, who's going to eat that little bit of pasta? Nobody's going to eat that. Like nobody gets home and is like, mm, boy, three day old well, pasta. So, so here, here's the root problem. It depends on the, the question is, will anybody eat this? It's not you, you're starting for the purpose. Nobody believe this in many houses. That's true. You can look at something and you say, look, I know who lives here. Well, I and I, I did. That's, that's true in our household. As the person who has to clear out the current garbage that used to be future garbage, I can tell you there's a lot of stuff that that is in there because somebody doesn't like, quote unquote, wasting food. So now it's my job. Now it's my problem. Well, well, that, well, that's what I'm getting to. Like, I feel like in every house, uh, there is, there's usually a gradient of like one person will like literally never eat anything leftover ever. And then shifting to somebody who might find certain leftovers palatable. Sure. All the way up to at the extreme end, like some houses have the goat. No, not one of the two oh, no, other no. definitions. I, my, my friend Sam, my friend Sam was a goat. Like if there was just food in a room, he would be like, you can eat that ravioli. Yeah, the, the person who will eat literally any leftover. Like stuff right? that's still in the can, like from like earlier in the day. Because if you have someone in your house who is not the person whose fault it is that you lost and not the greatest of all time, but mm. instead the I animal know. that, that you, is, yes, has a reputation totally, of eating lots of food. Everybody needs a goat. I agree. Yeah. The goat in your house, the person who will go into the refrigerator and there is nothing left over in there that they will turn their nose up at. They don't care how long it's not how long. So you're not going to eat rotten food. I'm saying like some people like they'll have this is my favorite meal. And then you'll put it in the uh, you'll there's a, there's a serving left. You'll put it in the fridge. 30 seconds later, they said, I will never eat that food again. You might as well throw it away because now it is a leftover and I do not eat that. It's your favorite meal. I don't eat it leftover. Right. Right. Well, uh, but OK, but that's why I say like you have to think about it like future food. So all I'm saying is if uh, just hypothetically, let's say you've got a uh, delicious pork ragu with some pappardelle noodles. Okay, well, here's the thing. Package that up as though it's the equivalent of tomorrow's lunch you're taking to work. You need to make it a reheatable or however edible meal. But you know what you don't do? Don't put it in a bag and just throw it somewhere, right? Because that's, that's not food. Like you've got to treat it like future food. And then my addition to this, which is admittedly a little passive aggressive, but I think it's a good teachable moment. Anytime you put leftovers in the refrigerator do you know this one of mine when you put the refrigerator when you put the leftovers in the refrigerator you write a single word on that container that bag and that is the day of the week that you put that into the refrigerator okay and are you aware of this thing that i do that seems optimistic I've heard you say this before, and I understand the optimism is part of the system, which you will explain briefly, but oh, I still... Oh, it's not optimism. No, no, no. It's, it's I, cold, I know what you're getting reality. at, but I, I feel like I'm the type of person who would say, just do the full day. Don't play the game. I know. Explain your explain your system. Go ahead. If you want to the idea is that if it's Sunday night and you have yummy leftovers that you're just totally sure that you're going to eat, quote unquote, tomorrow, no problem. Let's take that chicken wing in the bag. So now, you know, we're buying garbage bags for our future garbage. Anyway, whatever. You got this chicken wing. You know, you write, the, you write S-U-N-D-A-Y on there. Marlon, wouldn't, wouldn't you also want to write uh, 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 December 31st on there? No. And I'll tell you why. Because if you don't know which week that Sunday is from, it's garbage. Right? So you write Sunday on there. And here's the thing. It's Thursday and you're hungry. Number, number. I want something to eat. I'm going to go in here. Well, go, you pick that thing up and it says Sunday on it. And it's the chicken wing that nobody ever wanted. Well, you got a couple options at that point. You could eat it or you could put it back in the refrigerator or you could do what you should have done at the beginning. What you should have done at the beginning is not buy as much chicken. 
the way to, uh, this is all straight out of the wisdom document. The, the way to the way to prevent waste is not after you've bought it. The way to prevent waste is before you buy it. I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you the after you bought thing that you can work on because I mentioned the goat, uh, the person who is willing to eat any of the leftovers. This is just from my household. I understand oh, everybody's uh, right, different, right. but I'm saying within every household. Everybody has the possibility of moving slightly more in the goat direction. And uh, if that it's usually... leftover, I'm sorry to interrupt you. If it's if it's leftover big ZD, don't worry. You don't need to put a day on there. If it's if it's there is all kind. If it's honestly, if it's cut up strawberries, don't worry. I will take care of that. I, I'm talking about those mystery meat things that go into a bag where it no longer looks like food. It looks like evidence. Right. Well, so every like I said, everybody can move themselves in that direction a little bit more. It sounds like you're on the farthest end. Moving toward the goat. Yeah. Like for Mm -hmm. the people who would turn their nose up at any leftovers, it's like, can you find one thing? If I show you a different way to prepare it, hey, if you put this in the toaster oven, it actually becomes palatable to you Mm -hmm. again. And maybe if I prepare it that way for you and don't tell you it's leftover and you eat it, I say, see, now when this food is in the fridge, you found a way that you can eat it that you find palatable. You have moved a tiny bit in the direction of being a little bit more of a goat. Yes. And a lot of it has to do with figuring out how can I prepare? Well, part of it is, to get to your point, part of it is not having like uh, evidence bag blindness where you can't even see the food in the fridge anymore because you just look in the fridge and you're like, I don't see anything. This doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah, and right? if you feel any resistance, for example, similar thing. It's, you know, there's a, there's a reason that I, I developed that analogy. It's doing that is like putting compost in the crisper. Like if you, there's a lot of people who do not want to open their crisper. Because they know the CRISPR is where food that costs money goes to die <laughs> mm-hmm. and turn eventually turn brown. And nobody wants to open the CRISPR unless you're a, oh, I know you're different. You're a CRISPR user. CRISPR is where stuff goes to die. And that's that's a problem. And that's, maybe you have a more advanced refrigerator than I do or something. But like, yeah, you do have to, but like the general pattern, and I'm throwing back to you in a sec, is that you have to know who you are. You have to know how the family works. And it, there's not a lot of benefit to lying to yourself. Like you can adopt a goat or you could breed a goat. But but you you oughtn't uh, assume that there's a goat. So you what we do during the show is you write down things that might be titles for the program. Um, yes, and uh, you wrote down something that was said, and it reminded me of another English versus UK thing, uh, or you know English eh? American versus uh, UK English thing. Yeah, uh, that I encountered recently. You wrote uh, the potential title, which may be the title of this episode. You'll you'll know uh, before we do. Uh, it's moving <laughs> toward the goat. <laughs> And I was recently writing release notes for one of my programs, and I had to use a similar phrase. And I wrote it just how I wanted it to be. But then me being like you, I don't just write something and throw it out there. I look at it and say, am I using the right words? Is there is there anything, anything about this that gives me a twinge in any way? Oh, yeah. I, I, I immediately I'm, I'm like that about, I'm looking at about every every single sentence. I'll, like, look for the twinge. It doesn't mean I, I like, I catch every comma or whatever, but, like, I will look at it, and as soon as it, there's a twinge, then it's all about, like, drilling down into the, like, this might not, if I could phrase this, can I phrase this better? Could I choose words better? What was your release note problem? Yeah, so my, my twinge was the simple one, because usually a lot of my twinges, it takes two seconds to Google. But my twinge was, do I want to use toward or towards? I still, further further and farther, I get messed up as well. Uh, so further and farther, I have a mnemonic for. I've looked that up enough times that I've sort of internalized that. But toward versus towards, I had never looked up before. And I had to, I wanted to use that phrase. I was the, it was the phrase that I, it, I, I felt happy with the phrase that it was saying what I meant. But I didn't know 
is there a difference with it without the S? Is one preferred over the other? Right. Uh, is there a subtlety and meaning that I'm not getting? So I looked it up, and my recollection, I'm not going to re-Google it now, but my recollection is that it said towards with an S was the UK, preferred in the UK, and toward without an S was preferred in the United States. But they mean the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just mm. like which one is more prominent, right? Really? Yeah. Huh. The problem was, in the sentence that I had written, I like towards better. And the internet is telling me that's the UK version. That's why it. I say with title case, I know you disagree. With title case, I think there's aesthetics. No, but, this is, this but you're is describing more a, aesthetics. Like, this there's is something more of about a judgment it. call, though, because yeah. in title case, you have to have a system or there's madness. I do this a Chicago is, manual of style. Right. But, but I'm saying there, that that is a, a more of a like there can be variations there, but you have to just pick a system. You can't just say I pick a system except when I root for it. But this is more of just like which one is more common. In the mm -hmm. UK versus the but they're both valid. Well, I mean, I mean, like maybe a dumb way to put it is which one of these is less likely to cause confusion or be ambiguous in a way I didn't intend. Yeah, and so I'll, let me read you the sentence, and you can tell me if you think toward versus towards which one sounds better. Um, it uh, right. So the setting is esoteric. I know I've talked about switch glass on here before, but whatever. Like you don't need to know the details. Here's here's the the two sentences. The first one is added a new setting to collapse gaps around custom ordered apps, uh, and the next sentence is the one with Fortin. It says. This will pull custom ordered apps towards the ends of the app switcher. And it, this will pull custom ordered apps toward the ends because it's plural. It's apps and ends. I can't, I cannot, I cannot tell you why apart from aesthetics, I like towards. Yeah, because, because it's, it, because it's apps plural and ends plural, because what it means is being pulled towards the top or the bottom or the left or the right, right? So right. this will pull custom ordered apps towards the ends of the app switcher and or toward the ends toward the ends toward no, no, sounds no, no, singular no, no, no. That, that that sounds like something from tolkien <laughs> yeah so anyway i went with towards there even though it's the uk version of that I according think you, I according think to you, the thing i googled but you you know you made your peace with that you you, you did the right thing yeah uh, uh, yeah no reason really is nuts anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> i i do have there been uh improvements and ways to uh, like uh, improve your experience is it regular updates that uh yeah, this I did. This was released on December twenty sixth. I'm I'm more out there working. Oh wow! So you did another one after we recorded. You did one right before we started recording last December tenth, right? 10th, right? Uh -huh, I did uh -huh. one, and December twenty sixth, I did another release. <sighs> My wife and I did something like a reverse gift of the Magi this year, and like I, the thing is, like I I was raised uh, in a way where I didn't have a, a, a tremendous amount of extra money and resources and did not have unlimited access to stuff. And, you know, once you're poor, you're poor forever in some ways. Like, you know, like, is that way? So like, it's, I like when, wanna... it's like when you're a jet. I get it. Yeah, yeah, from your first cigarette to your last dying day. I Cigarettes like, are also popular with the poor. Is that right? Now, what about scratchers? Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I says to her, I says, I said, look, you know, I don't, I sound poor, but like, I really, the whole thing of like, You've got to give all this the stuff and the things and the, the piles of plastic. And like, there's an element of fun to that, especially when our kid was little. But I was like, I didn't know how to say it without sounding like, I don't know, a Grinch, if you like. But I was like, you know, just I know we say things like this all the time to each other, but like, please don't feel like you need to like either a get me a big banger or b get like a million tiny things. And 
We kept inching closer and closer to this conversation with each other. Do you feel like it's partially due to both of us having grown up in an era when the message of every single Christmas special on TV was that Christmas is not about material possessions and all you need is just your loved ones and like you don't need presents. Like it seemed like every single Christmas thing in my entire like young life was like that was always yes. the message. Well, and it's funny you should say that because this is the first year that I think Billy really watched and super enjoyed the Peanuts holiday special. And I don't know if y'all have watched it recently. It's so much more radical than you probably remember in some ways. For a show from 1966 that, yes, admittedly quotes Matthew in it, but, but you know, Charlie Brown's whole thing is like, you know, there's all the stuff about he's worried about commercial, commercial, you know, Christmas has become commercial and all that kind of stuff. But like the other thing alongside that is, uh, you know, it's all about love and singing and stuff is also this like, this and it's not just Ralphie wanting the BB gun, but like there's this sort of like happy sad to to you know Christmas, mm-hmm. that, right? It's there's nostalgia, there's all kinds of things, but happy sad is really a a temple of Christmas. But the, the whole idea of like people who don't have as much as you and like it's just it's a really it's it, it's a complicated thing. Yeah. Even in the literal Grinch, the whole thing is they don't have anything. All their presents are taken, all their decorations, all their Christmas trees, and then he couldn't stop Christmas from coming. It still came anyway, right? Like that's the whole thing. Yeah, is, it's like a, it's like a teenage boy. Yeah, and and go. he and they got the roast beast. And mm-hmm. and 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 but anyway, long story short, I don't know how. I, I think this went well. I think everybody had a really good holiday, which is you can't take that as red. It's. You know, it was it was chill, but the reverse gift of the Magi was we were both, and this was down. We were still kind of quietly, kind of sotto voce, um, sort of uh, working this out and socializing this with each other, like as we went up into like the days before, and we both were finally getting to like it was like wow, we're we're being very communicative about this, like no seriously, like I haven't, I just you know this is not a cheat. I did not get you like a big thing. And you know what? It was so effing nice because I already get myself anything I want. John, I I bought a new sanding and polishing set for my Dremel today just because I felt like it. Don't worry. I'll be fine. I don't need all of that stuff. And you know what? Our kid doesn't need all of that stuff. But conversely, our kid doesn't need 50 gift cards because that's our way of like, you know, at least I'll speak for myself, not feeling poor and like going like, oh, you got to get all the things and the things. And it's like, no, like some surgical strike stuff. My kid is getting into fishing. So like a tackle box. Like, that's good. Like our, my kid. Put as you Legos saw, in there. Oh, say what? Oh, you, you totally could. But then you also saw st- like the kids a little bit into Muppets right now. So I got that cool Statler and Waldorf. And mm-hmm. like stuff like, which, and the kid loves like putting stuff on a shelf and like having it nice and looking at it. And like, it was, I don't know why I, I feel like sharing that one thing with you. The whole thing was nice. We watched TV. We hung out. We ate food. We did all the stuff that everybody talks about, but it didn't have the like the the sticky, icky, spider webby feeling of like, oh God, holiday pressure. It was just it was it was it was nice. And I'll tell you the reverse gift of the Magi thing or whatever I'm calling it. Like it it was it was cool because we were able to give each other a little gift that was appropriate and and you know, part of the gift is not having to shop for a gift. That's what you're giving them. I'm giving you the gift of not having to shop for a gift for me. True. Which but, some people don't consider a gift, but some people do. But there's, yes, yes, yes. But there's an element. Oh, yeah. But it's also a, it's about as rigorous as like, it could be my Christmas and birthday. But like, it's it's also like, 
you have to really, it's a little bit prisoner's dilemma. Like you do have to really trust each other on mm-hmm. that to not feel like uh, the I other kind of guy. I you knew that I was, I was, you know, reverse oh. psychology. <laughs> I bought you a car. <laughs> I sold my testicles to buy you a better lover. Yeah, look outside. It's a pony. And look at the, the pony's got a ribbon too. And it's driving the car. I had the pony. Uh, my mother hey. had pony. <laughs> uh, what do you say? Why do you leave? <laughs> That's ponies. I had the pony. <laughs> <laughs>